friend. Blink. This is Mountain Hippie Radio. Welcome to Hippie Church. I'm your host, Allie Wags. Thanks for being here. On the night of May 6th, 1965, in a hotel room in Clearwater, Florida, Keith Richards was asleep. Earlier that evening, the Rolling Stones had played a show at Jack Russell Stadium sponsored by, wait for it, Clearwater's Recreation Department. The stop in Clearwater that night was the ninth stop on the band's tour of Canada and the U.S. in the spring of that year. And on any other night, the story of that night would have been the fact that the Stones set was cut short. It was cut short by a mass of screaming teenagers who climbed out of the bleachers and rushed the stage of the venue, nearly causing a riot. And on any other night, this story, the story I'm telling you right now, would have been about the fact that the band was forced to flee the stadium in a station wagon as they were chased by what the St. Petersburg Times called the, quote, lunatic fringe of almost 4,000 screaming fans. On any other night, this story would have been punctuated by the fact that upon the Stones' departure, the Clearwater Recreation Director was quoted as saying, This is it. There will never be a show like this as long as I am here. But on May 6, 1965, the real story is about what happened afterwards. Later that night, After the station wagon escape, at the Jack Tar Harrison Hotel, Keith Richards was asleep. And from a dead sleep, Keith Richards woke up, grabbed a tape recorder from his bedside table, played a guitar riff into the recorder, mumbled a couple of words into the microphone, and then promptly fell back asleep. And when he woke the next morning, he had no recollection of the experience, but he noticed the tape recorder on his bedside table had been moved. Curious, he rewound the tape and happened to listen back. In it, he heard the guitar riff he played in the middle of the night, the the mumbled words, I don't get no satisfaction, and the sound of 40 minutes of him snoring. What happened that night? What compelled Keith Richards to wake up from a dead sleep and play the guitar? Where did the line about satisfaction come from? Who is responsible for planting that seed? The seed that would eventually grow and evolve into the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction a song that would become the Rolling Stones' first number one hit in the U.S., and 40 years later was chosen by Rolling Stone magazine as the number two greatest rock song of all time. Who did that? Your highest self, your inner being, the part of you that is connected to the energy that creates worlds, is communicating to you constantly. It communicates to you through ideas and impulses, through synchronicities and good timing. 
Your highest self will remind you as you're rushing out the door that you forgot to turn out the light in the hallway. And then when you go back to turn off the light in the hallway, you see the keys that you were just about to forget. Your inner being communicates to you in traffic when you get the impulse to change lanes out of nowhere just in time to avoid that fender bender. Your source is communicating to you when you get a good idea in the shower or a great idea while washing dishes. And this inner being, the part of you that's connected to source energy, it knows what matters to you. It knows what gets your juices flowing. It knows what excites you. It knows what you want to create in this world. And it knows what you love and what you're good at. And as I mentioned last week, it also knows what you suck at. It knows what you don't like. It knows what bores you. It knows what beliefs you hold that are preventing you from bringing in the things you want. But your inner being, being all spiritual and whatnot, doesn't care about your limiting beliefs. It doesn't care about your hangups. It doesn't want to talk about them. It doesn't need to process shit. Those things are in the past and irrelevant to who you've already become. So you built walls. Big deal. Your inner being knows that and it knows your path of least resistance to get around or underneath them. Hell, if it's even easier, your inner being will guide you to build one of those medieval catapult things so you can toss yourself right over. You do not need to be different than who you are right now to communicate with your source. You do not need to be skinnier or smarter or more ambitious. You do not need to fix yourself to have access to your birthright. The only thing you need to do is be present and open to what is being shown to you in this moment. What is being shown to you? You, not me, not your brother, not your best friend. I emphasize this point because the means of communication, how it comes and what it feels like will be specifically for you. That's what's so special about this connection. And one of the thing, the reasons I think we're a bit reluctant to talk about it. It's different for everybody. Some people experience this communication through seeing images or hearing sounds. Some experience downloads in meditation with blocks of thought coming right to them. Others experience a deep sense of knowing or understanding, quote unquote, out of nowhere. And some people, Keith Richards, apparently just need to get a little shut-eye. I think as humans, we're a bit reluctant to talk about this stuff because it doesn't always translate to others. We're afraid that if we share some of this stuff, people will think we're weird or we're crazy. I think we sense the importance of what is being received, but also understand on some level that it won't apply to everyone else that it won't necessarily always resonate. Which brings us here, to this show in this moment right now. You are listening to this show right now for a reason. You clicked on it out of all of the stuff out there at the specific day and time you did after the morning or day you just had. 
this right here is the moment you've been guided to. And I've been guided to this moment as well. From the playground to graduate school, from the yoga mat to the meditation cushion, I am where I am because of the impulses I have followed and because of the ones I haven't. I am here because of what I am good at. I am here because of what I suck at. My road has weaved and wobbled. It has dipped and wiggled. And it's okay. Because my inner being knows where I am and it knows where I want to be. It knows how I, in my current form or state, can get there wherever I want to be with as much joy and fun as possible along the way. And yours does too. If you're interested in doing a better job of listening to your inner being, to your highest self, you've come to the right place. I'm going to share some details about how I connect with my source, and I invite you to pay attention, to listen to what comes up for you when I share my story, what resonates, what of my experience feels like truth to you, what sounds like music. And know that there are going to be some things that won't resonate, that you will not understand or relate to, and that is okay. Don't spend your time here arguing with me in your head. Focus on what feels right about what I'm saying and ignore the rest. My inner being knows that there are a couple of easy ways to get my attention. Music, physical activity, and good stories. God, I love a good story. So when I started listening to and for my inner being, these were the portals through which I started to connect. This was my path of least resistance. It started at first when I would hear songs at the exact right moment. Do you know that feeling like you're driving and you're thinking of something and then, oh my God, there's this song being played that you haven't heard in years, you didn't even know anyone else knew that song. And now it's playing on the radio and you feel like you're in that moment again. Those old memories start to bubble up. Where did those come from? Why did I just think of that? Or sometimes it would happen when I would be talking to a friend. And because of what we were talking about, I would tell a story that I hadn't thought of in years. But because of that conversation and my impulse to share that story, that story would be exactly what I needed for something that I was writing the next day. Suddenly, everything felt like a clue. If something felt good, I did it or said it, and then I paid attention. I paid attention to where to go next. I paid attention to what I should do when I got there. A couple of years ago, I was in an advanced yoga teacher training, and I was hating it. I don't really want to go into the details right now, but it wasn't bringing me joy. And the dissatisfaction had grown so much that I didn't even want to practice yoga anymore. And I was a yoga teacher, but I missed yoga. 
I missed how I felt during the practice. I miss how I felt when I was done. I miss that feeling, that sensation of a reset, of a blank slate. And one day, sort of out of nowhere, I decided I was going to commit myself to an hour of yoga, but I didn't actually have to practice yoga. No poses needed to be done. I just needed to carve out time to be present. So I grabbed a kitchen timer and I set it for an hour and I gave myself permission to incorporate what I did love about yoga into that time and ditch what I didn't like. And it worked. The first couple of times, in all honesty, it was a bit awkward, but I started to get used to the sensation of unstructured time. Pretty soon, I started to add music. And after that, I started to dance. And I should clarify here, right now, that I am not a dancer. I had one eight-week stint on the kindergarten ballet circuit, and that was pretty much it. So this wasn't necessarily normal behavior for me. This was new, but it felt good. Initially, the dancing, if you could even call it that, was just sort of more wiggly yoga moves. I would hold a pose and then maybe wiggle my butt or shimmy my shoulders. Eventually, it grew more and more. It evolved more so that as I became more comfortable with this new way of moving my body, my body in turn moved more. I noticed that my muscles started to loosen up. I noticed other muscles were starting to get stronger. I later found out that the way in which I was moving my body without any thought, without any instruction, was actually calming my nervous system. Yeah, that's right. I learned later from a book that the squatting and swaying and shaking I was doing at the time, only because it felt good, was actually helping me to calm my nervous system. Did I know this at the time? Nope. Did I read a study about dancing and its applications to nervous system regulation? I did not. All I did from start to finish was follow the ideas and impulses that felt good, that felt easy, that felt fun. Am I telling you to become a dancer? No, that is not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is how I started to listen to my own inner guidance. And I'm trusting that because the universe put us together for this episode, that you are in turn going to be inspired by my story to listen to your own inner guidance. What comes up for you right now? What sounds like fun? What feels easy? What could you absolutely totally do right now? And it would feel super freaking good. Take a path, take a hike, take a picnic lunch to the park. What feels exciting? Right now, your highest self knows you. It knows what you want and it knows what you're good at. It knows what your hangups are and how you view the world. Your next step from here comes from here and it comes from feeling good. What feels good to you right now? 
what sounds silly or playful or fun? Do you want to walk your dog or hug your kids? Do you want to go skiing or make out with somebody in the next room? What do you want to do? Your next step to everything you want is right here for you. What is it right now? Now go take it. That's our show for today. Until next time. This is Mountain Hippie Radio.